Hello, Robin. Hello, Trev. How you doing? How you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, very good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you very much. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of WN Movie Talk Podcast, formerly known as We Need to Talk About Movies Podcast. Yeah, and we're back again this week to talk about another another movie. This was a movie of my choosing this week, and it was 1977 sci-fi classic Star Wars. Oh, no, no, the other, the other sci-fi classic from 1977. The Steven Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind, starring Richard Dreyfuss and Francois Truffaut. Do, 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 do. That one. It's been ages since I watched this, but... Ah, oh, it is a favourite of mine. And do you know, I, I didn't enjoy I didn't realise that they came out six months apart. It was about six months, wasn't it? Yeah. So I guess I always thought that uh, this one was early, very early 80s. No, no. And, and I've got to be honest, I've only seen it through the whole way, I think, once before. <laughs> what, you're not, did you not enjoy it? No, I did. I really enjoyed it. Um, but I, I, I think because I was such a big Star Wars fan. Yeah. And as, as I was younger, when I was younger, and I kind of watched this... I just didn't buy. I just didn't get it in the same way that I got Star Wars. No, but now being a little bit older and by a little bit, I mean a freaking hell of a lot now. Um, <laughs> I do get it. I, I, you know, I completely get it, and yeah. from from lots of different angles as well. You know, from the even from the aspect of that chaotic family sort of scene. And oh, all that's, that. that's totally the angle that, I, that resonates with me the most. <laughs> funny that yeah <laughs> uh, we're talking about star wars and close encounters because um spielberg and lucas good friends and as they was making their each these films lucas was like really having a panic attack because he'd had such a bad production making star wars he was like this is gonna be a flop everyone hates it the cast don't know what they're doing the crew are having an awful time it's gonna be a flop like and he said to spielberg we should exchange points which is like percentages of profits is what they call points in hollywood and they changed traded two and a half points each so that's two and a half percent of each other's profits and of course star wars went on to be a massive success close encounters was huge but nowhere near the success of star wars and the difference in how much money they made spielberg made an extra 40 million dollars off of those 2.5 points to lucas bloody hell but then lucas must have made some money out of what was his equivalent in that story in terms of how much he made out of close encounters what what that's not what spielberg made that's the difference between what they made oh so they both made money but spielberg made 40 million More. more oh my lord yeah, okay. Yeah. I get you. I see, yeah. Oh, my Lord. So, because they come out like at the same sort of time, but makes you wonder what would have happened if Close Encounters had come out first and been the first, like, big blockbuster sci-fi. Yes, and I saw a little snippet on YouTube of Richard Dreyfus talking about that exact thing. Oh, right. I think it was like some sort of convention. He sat there having a chat with this guy, and he just basically said that. He said he believed that Star Wars was basically a film for kids. And it had that child element to it, where it was that fantasy. Um, and so it kind of changed everyone's approach and outlook to, to, science fiction. to science fiction. Yeah. And so when this one then came out, everybody was kind of already looking at it from a child's perspective. Instead of, if it had come out first, they probably would have looked at it from an adult's perspective. Yeah. And, and it would have changed the way that we looked and considered, I suppose, many things about that film. Possibly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's certainly what Dreyfus thought. Well, maybe, though, a lot of people might not have gone to see it had science fiction not been sort of made more public 
because of, because of Star, Star Wars. Wars. Yeah, no, totally. I think so it might have had the opposite effect, mightn't it? It makes perfect sense again, doesn't it? Because it's that sort of uh, everyone would have been on that sort of buzz from Star Wars mm. and desperately trying to get their hands on any sci-fi they could find. Do you remember the um, album we used to have at home, the vinyl with the closing counters disco? Yes. And um, well, it had Star Wars oh, on it as well, didn't it? Jeff, Jeff loves disco. <laughs> closing counters of the fi- third kind disco album. I actually found it on YouTube the other day. I might share it up. Oh, you got it. Uh, that would be so page. good. Um, but yeah, I used to love it. I I remember when I first started driving a car, I had I copied that song onto a tape for my car. I used to <laughs> drive around the car listening to the closing counters disco because I do I love the score for this film. I love the music. I love that those five notes. But that, just watching the film last night and at the end when the mothership takes off and the end credits come up and that last score, God, it just gives me goosebumps. It just it's this. After Jaws, this is my favourite Spielberg film. It might even be my favourite Spielberg yeah, film. Yeah, well, I, I don't, I, I don't know if you could. For me, I don't know if you can beat Jaws in terms of the Spielberg film. But it, but this, yeah, this does run it close. Um, yeah, and I, yeah, I just found it really enjoyable, and I was exactly the same. Come the end, I was like smiling my head off at this yeah. at, at this film. You know, it's like. <laughs> I love that. That was really good. Really enjoyable. That's really satisfying. Cool. And I don't know. Like I said, I think... I don't think when I've seen it before, certainly as a child, it ever kept me interested long enough. Right. I would drift away from this one quite quickly. Because it's yeah. slower. Because there's... It's and not there's no Wars, aliens in it. Yeah, really, yeah, there? like, yeah. So there's a lot of kind of inference going on at the start, isn't there? Like, mm. you know, you, you're kind of having to just kind of read between the lines of what they're doing. And I don't think I necessarily, as a kid, got that. I liked Star no. Wars because it was in front of you and it was all happening and unfolding there and then on the screen. Whereas this one, there was more of that build-up and suspense and just didn't buy into it as a kid. Cool. But we'll get onto that in a minute. Won't we just? Won't we just? I have put a post up on Facebook, as I usually do. Um, you can find us on Facebook, WN Movie Talk Podcast. Have a look for us. Um, but uh, before we get onto that even... Have you watched any films other than Closing Counters the Third Kind this week, Robin? Well, it's been a bit of a funny week, actually, because, no, to be fair, I, I haven't watched the full movie. However, weirdly, and you're going to laugh about this, um, and I apologise for even bringing it up on our podcast because I think it should never really be spoken of, but I watched the Harry Hill movie, or at least two-thirds of it there's a harry hill movie yeah did you even you didn't so i was going to say did you even know there was one and it's no. on netflix and i was kind of flicking through looking for something to watch and i thought it would be funny to just put it on in my my wife was sitting there on her laptop my son's sitting there on his computer and i thought it'd be funny just to put it on and see if they pay any notice what's going on because i knew it'd be sort of like mental um and so i did and uh yeah they ended up watching it and i left the room <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't turn it off they wouldn't yeah. let you turn it off yeah oh dear um it, it's, it, it sounds yeah. like it's gonna be awful no oh, it's a, an incredible cast in it a really good cast including the guy uh think about william tweed from uh oh, gangs of jim broadbent yeah it had jim broadbent in it i actually watched uh, the only film i watched this week was uh, another jim broadbent film it's at the cinema me and my wife had a date night Woo! and we went to watch the duke which is a new film out with Jim Broadbent and Helen Mirren. Oh, right. Okay. And, 
Yeah, really good. Really enjoyed it. It's like a, a bit of a comedy drama. It's set in the 50s. It's a true story. And all about this painting of the Duke of York that got stolen. Um, Jim Broadbent's character is a bit of a, an old man. He's a bit of an activist, a bit lazy. He doesn't want to work, really. And he's always trying to fight for the rights of other people. And he's trying to campaign for free TV licenses for the elderly. Right. And he's always trying to get in the paper. But all he ends up doing is getting put in jail, <laughs> doing like couple of days in prison here and there and stuff and his wife's at the end of her tether and anyway the the duke of edinburgh painting is going to get sold to spain so the government say no 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 we don't we don't want it to leave the country so they pay a hundred and forty thousand pounds to keep the painting and he's up in arms about it because he's like you know people need this money the country needs this taxpayers are paying for that crap and he ends up stealing the painting and holding it to ransom for his campaign but, yeah, really funny, real good British comedy. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Would you not w- rather have watched the Harry Hill movie? <laughs> I don't know, though. I don't know. <laughs> I'll tell you what I did see at the cinema, which just made me want to smash my head through uh, anything hard and solid that <laughs> was... Um, <laughs> okay. The Nan movie. You ever seen the character Nan in uh, Catherine Tate? The racist... Oh, bigot? my God. God, was that really made into a movie? They make it, it's a trailer at the cinema. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Jesus. Yeah, so, you know, you come away watching one British film, going, that's really good, but in the back of your mind, you're like, but we're going down the pan because we're making that shit. Yeah, it's kind of like <laughs> you've put on clean underpants, but you forgot to wipe your ass for a month. <laughs> that's how it felt. That's exactly how it felt when I left. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah oh, dear. but anyway anyway so that's what we've watched this week um yeah i went over on facebook and on instagram and i said oh you lot your best and worst alien visitation films i tried to be specific visitation you know like i like that word visitation because you could have said alien probing or something. Yeah, just, yeah. We'd have got a different, totally different list. I wasn't going for like <laughs> sort of your monsters. This is more. So effectively, effectively, were you talking a, a third encounter? Yeah. Because there's a, there's, a lo- there's a rule to it, isn't it? First, second and third encounters. Yes, there is. The first encounter is sightings, isn't it? That's right. And the second... I saw one. I saw one. I did. Oh, I did. And what's the second one? Um, but that's when there's evidence yeah. left behind, is it not? Like a crop circle or a scorch mark or skid marks. Or, or, <laughs> or, a, or an enormous <laughs> ship in the Sahara Desert. Yes. And then the third kind is contact. But yeah, I just put alien visitations, uh, waiting for people to say, no one said anything for ages. And so then I like put a comment underneath to get it back into feed. And what, I put, like saying, please answer, we're feeling lonely. Here. I just put Mac and me. <laughs> What Do you remember Mac and Me? It's like a really shit ET copy. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know if I see that. I no. love it. <laughs> no. Um, and and then fan of the show Elliot Lewis commented and said, oh. "I always I always thought Alien versus Predator was brilliant, but it got slated. Cloverfield was great, but I didn't like the follow ups. I did. I put but didn't Alien and versus Predator get slated because it was awful." <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah. it was shit, wasn't it? Look, look, let's not I'm... mock. Let's not knock it if he's the only person that's answered. <laughs> no, other people have answered since. I don't oh, feel well, so that's bad. right. Now we can knock it then. 
Um, I still have never watched Cloverfield or any of the Cloverfields. Have you not? No, no. I, 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 I'd watch them. I have watched them. And I would yeah. say, um, I know what he means because Cloverfield is very different to the other two. There's, there's the John Goodman one. And I thought that one was all right. Completely different. And it would be pretty much nothing to do with it if it wasn't for the last five, ten minutes of that film. Yeah. And but the other one when they go up in space, which um which sort of tied in with it, no, didn't like that one at all. So I'm not seeing any of them. But Cloverfield I liked. I thought that was very yeah. good. Um Simon Viles says The Abyss mm-hmm. and District Nine. Both great. Yeah. You yeah. seen District Nine? Yes, I have. Fucking prawns. Yeah. Fucking prawns. Yes. <laughs> South Africa. I can't even say it. I thought, uh, oh, God, I'm Fucking an Irish guy again. <laughs> I'm a promy. Every accent I, I do was, turns I out to be promy. I was only thinking about District Nine the other day, thinking that would be a great film to do. On Weirdly. This, because that is a great film. I've put it on my list of films. Yes. The other, oh, exactly the same reason. Because I, I saw it and I thought, that's a good one. Yeah. The other one I put on there. Which is completely nothing to do with what we're talking about now. It was nine, the animation. Oh, I, that's weird because I saw that the other day, and I was like, I forgot that film existed. Yeah, the sack people. Yeah, the little, yeah. yeah, that's quite interesting. Yeah. Film. How weird is that? Yeah, yeah. It's ah. like the world's telling us nine, <laughs> District Nine. nine. Oh, there's got to be something to do with the number nine there. Yeah, because mm. we got nine listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oh, and then, sorry, Simon Viles then said, Battlefield Earth, the worst film. Uh, I don't know if you know that film. That's yeah. John Travolta, isn't it? It was his personal project, wasn't it? All about, it's written by the bloke who invented Scientology. Uh, uh, L. Ron Hubbard. L. Ron Hubbard, yeah. He's not it's got like, anything to do with Rob Hubbard, the uh, pl- the guy that used to make all the music on Commodore 64. Oh, he could well do. Thing on do you the think screen. it's his brother? Thing on a spring, yeah. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Piero Canuti says for comedic value I'd say best is Mars Attacks yes yes Mars Attacks I love Mars just abuses the genre beautifully doesn't it <laughs> yeah and and then Piero said um, the most overhyped and maybe a little controversial E.T. he said I think a lot of people have their tinted glasses on when they look back at it it's not a film I see a lot of parents forcing their children to watch. And you might see it aired once a year on TV, if that. Mm. And I, so I said to him, well, I happen to sit on the side of the fence at E.T. I love E.T. Yep. It's not my favourite out of the Spielberg films. And there's a lot more. It's not just Close Encounters and Jaws, then E.T. There's a lot more I'd watch before E.T. Yep. But then I did say, but our kids are just not bothered by it. The amount of times we have tried to make them watch it. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, I, it. it's one of those films I'm surprised they haven't remade. But then, interestingly enough, because my wife said, oh, they should remake this one, uh, Close Encounters. And I said, well, I don't know. They shouldn't really, should they? Because it would just be a disaster. You know, they yeah, don't keep remaking no. things. I think when Spielberg passes away, they'll start right. remaking it. And that's what films. I was going to say, because it's got me thinking, is, have they ever made remade a Spielberg film? I don't think they have, have they? Spielberg's remaking his films, isn't it? Him and Lee- Lucas doing the Indiana Jones films. Just leave him alone. Yeah, that's just dragging it out, in it, for a bit of money. But um, Rob Jones says, if clandestine alien occupation is allowed, then it's got to be they live. I'm here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. It's John Carpenter film. Okay. I don't know. Never seen that. That'd be a good one to watch. 
I shall check that yeah. one out. Thanks, Rob. It's good. It's Rowdy Roddy Piper. Huh? The wrestler. Rowdy Roddy Piper, isn't it? Is he? Yeah, that's the main guy, isn't it? Yes, that's Mainly. what it says, actually. You're right. But I, I can't say I know anything about it. So, any more? Or is that... Yeah, we've got one more. Nath Kent said, Cloverfield sequel was good compared to the others. Signs springs to mind when thinking about visitation films. But the best alien movies aren't on Earth, I don't think. Oh, that's a fair comment, isn't it, actually? Because but they... if they're not visiting, then it's not a visitation film. So oh, oh, yes. All right, all right. Um, but, I've yeah, have you, can you think of any, Robin? I've written a few down. Mars Attacks was on my list, and District 9, so I'll cross them off. E.T. and Mac and Me was on my list, I'll cross yep. them off. Uh, Paul. Who? Paul. Simon Pegg one. I've never seen oh, it. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I know. Sorry, Paul. Yes, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Contact is meant to be a good one with Jodie Foster, Robert Zemeckis film. And I've never seen it. I always mean yeah, to watch it. Yeah, okay. And there was the one that was made fairly recently, wasn't there? The Arrival? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's not bad, actually. That's quite a recent one. Yeah, that was all right, The Arrival. There's The Fourth Kind, which I loved when it first came out. But when I've watched it, it's like pretty shit, really. What's, what's um, The Fourth Kind, then? Because we just we talked about the, the the third kind. It's when they molest you. That's oh, that's the probing. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it is. That's the probing. Yeah, I think it's that. Close encounters of the fourth. I kind. I think it's abdu- no fourth kind. I think is abduction. I'm being probed. Um, I think fourth kind is abduction. There's one called Fire in the Sky. I don't know if you've ever seen that. That's got Elliot out of E.T., Robert Patrick out of Terminator, the Terminator 2. It's based on a true story where in America there's these woodmen, they're lumberjacks, and one day they see these lights and then one of them disappears and they all drive off. That's how it starts with them driving away and they go to a bar and they're all getting done for the murder, but they all claim it's aliens. And then months later, the mate turns up. And that's really good. But I remember it's like, it's a real sort of made-for-TV film. Oh. But the end, 20 minutes, you sort of go into the alien spaceship yeah. in this flashback, and it's so well done. It's just, yeah, really well done. Uh, and what was that called? I'll write that down. I think it's called Fire in the Sky. And then there's one more, sorry. Go on, Communion. Then. Do you remember that with um, Christopher Walken? Oh, I listened to the audio book of it back along, because that's meant to be true as well. Um Whitley Stryber. Sounds it's painful. all his own accounts of alien abductions. Okay. It's pretty pretty dark, pretty weird, but apparently like he was an author, he wasn't really selling his work, and then he someone for Christmas bought him a book all about aliens and alien abductions. And then the next night he was abducted by aliens. Wow, what are the chances? <laughs> so wrote all about it. I oh, know. You it's wouldn't believe like it, would you? Um, I did think of a few. There's obviously batteries not included. Oh, and that's a Spielberg film, is it not? No, he's produced it. Oh, yeah. right. Okay. He that is it. And then there was The Arrival, as I mentioned. War of the Worlds. That's another yeah, one. Yeah, that's Spielberg as well, isn't it? Is it? Oh, Tommy Cruzy. Um, another one that I thought of was Evolution. Did you ever see that? Oh, it's a comedy. Yeah, by uh, Ivan Reitman, wasn't it? Yeah, and they had, to sp- they had to put the soap up the aliens' back. Yeah, it starts off with, like, spores, and then they sort of build their own environment, and then all the aliens start growing. And That's it. Yeah. Yeah, any others there, boy? No, I think that's probably about it. But I think um, the other thing that I've decided I need to show my son off the back of watching that was V, the original Oh, I was TV thinking series. about V as well. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's V for visitors, isn't it? But there you go. That's our discussion on films about aliens. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Alien visitations. Uh, 
So, yeah, close encounters of the third kind then. Okay, here we go. If you aren't aware of this movie, Richard Dreyfus plays Roy Neary, who is a, um, well, he's just a, a normal bloke. He's an electrician, and he is one night called out because there's power outages everywhere, and he sees a UFO and then becomes obsessed with this UFO visitations. <laughs> I've used that he word has a, too much now. He I? has a close encounter of the first kind. It does, sighted. But there is a second kind involved as well because he's sunburnt and he's got information in his head and he can't get rid of it. That's what yeah. I think makes yeah. it great. But from the minute this film starts and you're on the desert and it's that sandstorm and you see the... It's Mexico, isn't it? And you just see what looks like a mountain and then these two lights just... And you think... Oh, is that a UFO flying over the yeah, yeah. mountain? It, and then all of a sudden it's a car and it's just not a mountain. It's just rocks by the yeah. side of the road. It's clever. Yeah. And it's basically all like the, the government agents all turning up because in the middle of this desert, all these planes have been delivered. All these Discovered. planes that yeah. went missing during the Second World War. And it's just a great start. But then it goes into the scene with the the air traffic control. And that's just a great scene. It's all pretty much from one shot, but... You're rooted to it. just yeah, yeah, really well done. You could almost miss that scene completely when you're trying to think back through this film. But it's such a good little scene in its, in its own right. Just, but what I love about the first bit, um, and I think that's kind of, it's kind of like an underlying theme through the film, isn't it? Because the film is basically about the way that the humans and the aliens communicate, isn't it? Yeah. Do, 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 do. We'll come into that in a bit more. But that's what I really liked about those, particularly those first two scenes, is, and the first one in particular, because you've got the foreign language and they needed the interpreter. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, they're, they're talking, but they can't understand each other because the wind's blowing. And it's almost like it's sort of setting it up, like saying, you know, here we are, these humans, you know, we're just crap at communicating. And, and even down to when they say, do you want to report the, what you saw? No. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's kind of like just that denial thing. And they're not able to communicate what the, what's really going on. And I, thought yeah, there was I wouldn't a sort know of, what to say, they say, didn't they? Yeah, and so. I thought there's a bit of a message about communication in there mm. and how we're not that great, even though we think we are. Um, which then feeds into later on feeds into how do they communicate with the aliens? Because uh, yeah, so they could even like they're talking to the little Mexican bloke, and then they need someone to translate to him. Yeah, and then yeah. the French bloke is like the head of the the agency, and yeah. then they bring in Bob Balaban, don't they? Is that Laflin yeah. to to be his translator? Um, I've got the book, the Close Encounters Diary, and I've just started reading that again, and it's a diary that Bob Balaban kept when he was on set. Oh, cool. Making Closing Counters. And I've read it loads of times. It's just great. That sounds really cool. He says, when Spielberg asked him, like, to come in to read for this part, he's like, I heard you could speak French. Can you speak French? And he said he could, he could speak French, but he hadn't spoken it for years and he was a bit rusty. So he said in French, I'm actually no good at speaking French. You probably need someone better for the role. But he said it in French. And there's like, that's great. You got the role. <laughs> <laughs> and he thought there might be someone else in the room speaking French, but they wasn't. But he said he sort of felt his way around and like got to work with Francois Truffaut. And, mm. um, you know, they was just sort of paired off together and he was communicating with him and it got better and got easier. They helped each other out. Like Francois Truffaut, uh, he, he, um, he came with quite a reputation to the film, did he not? Oh, he was... Uh, 
yeah, he's like French New Wave film director. He's the person that coined the phrase the auteur director. Oh. The director as the auteur. Uh-huh. So he was like a, an important figure and an influential figure, not just in French cinema, but the new wave cinema helped sculpt the 70s cinema over in the States. All these kids were watching all these films because they was bored of all the American Hollywood musicals and what have you. Yeah. So they was watching these grittier French films. Oh, Fahrenheit 451, apparently. It was, uh, it was a screenplay. Jules, right? and Jim, Jules and Jim, he did, didn't he? I, I Jules just, et Jim. I've got to be honest, though. If you just looked at this list you without knowing any context to it, you might be a bit worried. I've got The 400 Blows, <laughs> Breathless, Shoot the Pianist, which if you spell it wrong could be quite, <laughs> quite awkward. And then there's one called A Swelled Head. <laughs> what the hell is this guy doing? <laughs> Spielberg said that he was his first choice because he'd seen him act. I mean, occasionally he'd act in his own films, and Spielberg just thought he wanted he wanted someone to be the face of the government who wasn't stern and wasn't like yes. authoritative. Wanted yeah. someone who had that sort of trustworthiness and yep. innocence about him. Yeah, and that and, works, doesn't it? Because uh, throughout the film, you don't sort of fear him no. as a government agent or working for the government, you know what he really wants to do is just find out what's going on and meet the meet the aliens. Yeah. So then after we've seen this and we've seen that, then we meet we do meet Gillian first, don't yes, we? Yes, with the little with the young with the young boy. Barry. Yeah, with Carrie Guffrey. Carrie Guffey. Barry I know, and there's a couple of things that struck me about this, and I know it was back in the day, so security was low on everyone's agenda, clearly. <laughs> but you know, they live in the middle of nowhere. She falls asleep or whatever. The whole house is unlocked. Yeah. Every door and window is open. It's hot, mate. Yeah, well, fortunately, she saw him going out because otherwise he'd have just gone forever, wouldn't he? I mean, he, and then he just legs it out and she's like, ah, running through the woods after him. And I'm thinking, Jesus, man. Yeah, it is questionable that she couldn't catch him. And then when she does catch him and Roy Neary almost runs him over, two seconds later, he's off again. If that was my child, he'd be in my arms. He's not getting out of my arms, you know, but two seconds later, he's running off again. If it was my child, he'd have been on a leash. Yeah, but great little child actor, isn't he? Just brilliant. Yeah, and I saw a little bit of an interview with him on YouTube and a couple of stories. I've, you probably know them. I don't know yeah. if you do, about how they got him to do certain things within the film. Yeah, coaxing him off camera, aren't they? There's a couple. There was one where he walks into the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. there's the one where he's looking out the window. Yeah, so the one where he's well. looking out the window is Spielberg's opening a a present for him isn't he he's got yeah. a parcel wrapped up toys toys yes i did wonder why he said that in the film actually and then afterwards i was like that's brilliant but they look like toys that's the idea isn't it the spaceship yeah look like absolutely toys. Yeah. so it's perfect and then the other one was the the kitchen one where he goes into the kitchen and they what's he got he's got two bits of card or something and sheets or something and then they drop yeah. the card they drop the sheets and behind one is a clown yeah, uh, you someone see dressed him up as a clown, jump, and he sort of he, he sort of stops, and then it's the gorilla, isn't it? The second one's a gorilla, and that's the one where he sort of takes a step back. Yeah, and then they take the mask off the gorilla, and it's that's the right. cameraman, and he recognises him, and he smiles. No, it's and, the it's the makeup guy, isn't it? Yeah, that's it, it's the, the makeup, makeup guy. guy. Yeah. But it's a brilliant way of you know of getting the child to to perform. I mean, he was really young, wasn't he? Was he three, yeah, four? four? I think he said. Yeah. yeah, and that's and that's I love things like that where you you learn the tricks of the trade going on behind the camera mm. yeah well 
that's the kind of way to do it. I don't know if you've ever heard much about the making of The Exorcist. <laughs> no. <laughs> where um, the director, William Friedkin, he had guns hidden around set, loaded guns with live ammo. And if he wanted someone to be scared, he'd bring them over to this corner, reach around, get a gun, shoot it off in their ear and go, go. And they'd be like, shit. Um, and then the vicar, and like the vicar at the end, reading the last rites to his friend. And he's like, no, you're not scared enough. And the vicar's like only on set to tell them how vicars would act. But then he's ended up getting a small role in it. And he's like, I'm not an actor. I don't know how to do this. And William Friedkin just slaps him really hard around the face and goes, action. And he's shaking that much <laughs> reading the last <laughs> rites. Just to, oh, it's bizarre. Yeah. You should look oh, into love that. It. I bet he so I bet he soon signed up to the <laughs> actors guild after that, didn't he? The vicar. Make sure that doesn't happen again. Jesus. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so the film is credited as Spielberg having written the script, but for ages he didn't know quite how it was going to go and it was originally going to be like a military man or a cop or someone mm. in the main role. Yeah. And um he actually called on Paul Schrader to help write it and paul schrader right. wrote a draft paul schrader is the writer of the of taxi driver okay yeah. seen that so it's completely like i can't understand why you'd get him to write it but what he brought to the script he said it needs to be more rather than like oh a man chasing aliens it needs to be more spiritual mm -hmm. and that's when he brought in the story was going to be this bloke chasing the aliens working for the government and then realizing that the aliens hadn't been there but they'd made him believe it was all in his head but they'd yeah. put it there. Yeah. And then Spielberg's like, ah, I like that idea. But then he completely rewrote it and Paul Schrader took his name off the credit. But that's where the sort of the, the implant in the yeah. brain come from, from that version. So then anyway, we haven't met Roy Neary yet, have we, Richard Dreyfus? But when we do, it's that fantastic family chaos thing that, yes. runs, that runs through the first... Certainly the first half of the film, doesn't it? When the kids are in. The, and um, they're all in the scene, aren't they? It, yeah, they're at the table, aren't they? Doing With the train. And There's a big shot of the whole family there, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. And it's, it's the, the, it starts off with the train, doesn't it? And the maths. Yeah. The boys in the, the cot smashing the doll to pieces. <laughs> and it's just so irritating. It doesn't stop, does it? And it's noisy. And it's chaotic. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, yeah. Toby, you are close to death. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then and then he's sort of saying about going to watch Pinocchio <laughs> yeah and they all want to do golf but he wants yeah. to do, he, you relate to that being a dad didn't you you were trying to get your kids to watch yeah stuff. definitely and I think all the scenes of the family in throughout the film though they do they do that bit they do that really well don't they, and they, they it just works that they always seem to all be in the picture yeah they always seem to be there and there's always like one of them's there's one scene where the kid's playing on the piano and it's doing, it was doing my head in. I was getting agitated <laughs> just sitting there watching it, you know. I was like, really like, oh, for God's sake, bloody kid. Someone tell him to stop playing on the piano. <laughs> <laughs> I think they, um, I'm pretty sure, I haven't got that far in the diary yet that Bob Balaban wrote, but I've read it mm. before. I'm pretty sure that they said that Richard, Dre that's Richard Dreyfuss's nephews that he got in the role. Okay. And he said that they were just little shits on set. <laughs> And he just, just like, oh, why did I get these kids to do it? Like, but they actually, you know, the, especially the older one when he's, when Richard Dreyfus is breaking down later on, the, the older kid's really good. I thought. Yeah, when he's crying. I mean, mm. Richard Dreyfus was sitting there, sort of not 
not sort of not really for me necessarily pulling off the tears particularly well but sat right in line with the camera doing a brilliant job as that kid yeah, yeah fantastic really bit of acting um and terry gar as the wife she's just sort of yeah. persistent and she's it's convincing not naggy as such yeah he was brilliant she was brilliant. yeah it's convincing it, it just she just looks you know she just plays the part of his of sort of the suffering wife really doesn't she it's not really panned out as they wanted it to those scenes don't feel scripted do they it's not like I'll say yeah. a line, you say a line. It's all yeah. overlapping dialogue. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and and that's something that he does throughout this film. I mean, it, there's a bit of that with the um, the air traffic controllers. There's a bit of that where yeah. he's talking to the air on um, and, to the aeroplanes, and they've got two or three of them just talking alongside it, talking talking over the behind him. Yeah, so you can't hear um, what they're saying, and and that sort of rumbles through this film, doesn't it? Again, yeah. it's that sort of communication element where we're all just talking and it's not clear what's being said. It's almost like you're just watching. You're observing rather than watching a film. Yeah, fly on the it's fly on the wall stuff, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's great. I mean, there's a absolutely. I love the bit. I just thought it was awesome when he's brushing his teeth, and they <laughs> sneak up with the camera and the and the table tennis bat, and I just just brilliant. I mean, you know, <laughs> such mischief and such kind of like just natural yeah. chaos going Smack on. Smack him on the ass. He's like, <laughs> up. Yeah, and he's chasing him out of the ki- um, the bathroom. And, you know, Spielberg does that in E.T. as well, doesn't he? The family in E.T. is, there's moments where they're all eating pizza and Elliot's yeah. like the annoying little kid and the older ones are playing, I don't know, what are they playing? Cards Dungeons, or Dungeons and, and Dragons, Dragons or aren't they? Yeah. yeah, that's it. You know, and it, that has that similar feel to it. And also... It's nothing um, like that penis breath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, don't call me penis breath, by the way. And... Um, Likewise, in Poltergeist, actually, the family in that, there's those there's elements in there as well, isn't it? Yeah, and it's... All three of those films are very similar in the sense where you see the housing. The suburbs. Very similar, the, the yeah. suburbs, you know, the family And the bedrooms. The, I mean, even like Barry's bedroom is very... There's toys everywhere, all over the floor. You yeah. Know? And it's yeah. like that, you know? He's good at creating. But that's what I think Spielberg used to make films for us, you know, and... Choosing to go down the route, right, I need a person to be in this role rather than a soldier. Yeah. And uh, Richard Dreyfuss in an interview says he wanted the role. He wanted to be in this film. And Spielberg kept like taking it to people like um, Steve McQueen. And Richard Dreyfuss would be like slagging all these actors off that he had in mind. Al Pacino's too small. Jack Nicholson's crazy. Steve McQueen can't cry and all things like that. And But he said when he, Spielberg decided it was going to be like a, per, a man like like you and me in the main role, then Richard Dreyfuss thought, I know how to get this role now. And he says, what you need is a man who's like a child. And then he's like, all right, you've got the role. <laughs> that's how he got it. But this is the difference between Spielberg then and Spielberg now so much. I mean... Back then, he used to have he used to have Richard Dreyfus playing the Everyman or Roy Schneider, Chief Brody. Yeah, oh, they was, yeah that's another one, isn't they it? Was, you, you could... They was human. They had yeah, faults. Yeah. They fell apart. But like you mentioned, War of the Worlds. Yeah, this is a point where Spielberg. Oh, Tom Cruise has got to be the man in this, and he's a, playing an Everyman. He's a family man, and it was like... Tom Cruise has never been a family his man. His job is a container driver, and there's a scene at the beginning where they're like, i got to go and pick up my son. But you can't go now. Who's going to load all these containers? Get Freddy to do it. But you're the best goddamn container loader in the world. <laughs> you know? And then he's not just driving over, he's speeding through the streets doing hamper, and you're like, this is shit, you know? 
I don't want to watch Tom Cruise. He can't be normal, can he? You know? No. And I think and that's, that's what he's lost. That's what the magic was in these films. You believe that, those characters. But what I was going to say is, is that because um, when he made this film, he was already in his 30s, wasn't he? So he wasn't like a young, young director, sort of straight off. No, no. He hadn't, he'd had a period there as an adult, even if it was a young adult, where life would have been relatively normal. He hadn't had his head swayed by certain things. So that's why early on he brought what he had experience of and his family experiences and put them in the films. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I think as he's gone, as the success has gone and the money's come and perhaps as he's detached from the normal world yeah, with his, yeah. you know, lifestyle and, and perhaps that's when it, it broke away. Yeah. Too. Going back to the families as well. Like it usually has a broken family with the mother is the strong character she's the one keeping the kids together and this is he bought from his house there's a really great documentary called spielberg and it just looks at his entire life and career and it's just really great he sort of says you know in the earlier years his mum and dad split up okay and he hated his dad he'd have nothing to do with him and he loved his mum wasn't until years later he realized that his mum had left the dad for his best friend all right and uh, the dad just never wanted to get in the fight, didn't want to bring the kids into it, so he sort of bowed out. And But the kids all thought, well, dad, you know, left us. And Spielberg, all these mm. films reflect that. And then Spielberg later in life realised, actually, it wasn't his dad at all. It was it was his mum who was like the, tore the family apart. Yeah, interesting. So, so, so yeah, so, I mean, and I think there's, you know, you can sort of see he's brought in his own, his own background, I guess, into those and, early and films. And maybe so. that's why in this film he has no qualms with Roy Neary leaving his family mm. to go off into space. Yeah. You know, at the end. Yeah. It's something he says if he made it now, that wouldn't happen. He wouldn't have that ending. No, because that's the element with the child, isn't it? Because he's sort of not mature enough to sort of go, actually, I've got to stay here. I've got to make my family work. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm off into space. <laughs> I'll see yeah, you later. Yeah. Um, Bit odd, but yeah, yeah. It's um, and Dreyfus actually, because I always thought about him that way in Jaws that he's you know when on the boat messing about. Yeah, it's it's fun. It, there is this sort of childish side to his character. He does play it really well. In yeah, this. you know, it's the bit where they're out and it they they she he takes um takes them out to go and see the alien and they're out on the road and she says oh you know uh something about i don't she says we used to about, used not, to bring me to places like this to look at me or to look at each other yeah that's really. right yeah yeah that's right and then he and then they're kissing and then suddenly his eyes open he's, <laughs> he's looking up looking again. up <laughs> it's just like that was another thing spielberg has said that that experience where his dad come in one night, woke him up. Kids, come on. Woke them all up and he took them all out to this field. And he said, there's people everywhere in this field. And they lay down a blanket like in the middle of the night, looking up and watching this meteor shower. And Spielberg mm. said, that's where his fascination with space and that come from. And that scene is in this film, isn't it? Where he comes in and drags yeah. all his kids out. So we've met the characters. Now we've got to meet the aliens. That first initial scene we said about, i said about the beginning with the mist and you see the lights coming through and you think is that aliens yep. and it's not it's car headlights yep. and again they do it again superbly here don't they where he's out on the road the lights come up behind him yeah the first time it's a car isn't it and he's like go, go around go around get out of the road jackass can you tell me yep. where cornbread is 
Turkey! But then, yeah, the next time he drives on and he stops again at those signs and you see the car lights come up. And I always remember to just, just, I loved this scene. Yeah, yeah. Just the car headlights come up behind and then all of a sudden they go up. I just, oh, it's brilliant. It is really well done. If it starts shaking next to him, doesn't it? The phone box, the the letterbox. The the train, the stop sign starts going. Oh, it's just great. The bit I really loved about that was the sat nav where you pull it, he pulled it down like a blind (laughs) and there's a map there. I just thought, brilliant. The map. 1970s sat now. Yeah. <laughs> but then when that light comes on, I mean, this is the first film really where Spielberg has used light and smoke. I suppose he did a bit in Jaws, didn't he? When they go out on, he on the boat in the middle. with Yeah, the, the, the sort of creepy bit where they go looking for the body. Yeah, the, the guy. Yeah, the, he did use it there. But this is where he uses it to... Oh, massively, yeah. massively. Yeah. And just those um, first shot, the light comes down, lights up the van. Um and then the van, everything starts moving, and they've got the van on a big spit, so it's rolling at three hundred and sixty yes. degrees, and he's just there going, yeah, because you can see everywhere. if you if you really pay attention to it, you can see what's happening is it's being turned upside yeah. down. So the car goes over, but the camera stays in the position of him always being upright. Therefore, it all just sort of falls around mm. him and brilliantly done brilliantly done but it's what they've done in 2001 wasn't it a space odyssey with the oh yes yeah yeah they yeah. have that the camera turns and the woman's like walking around with it but it looks yeah. like she's walking upside down douglas trumbull again special same special effects chap well there you are yeah so on this obviously had yeah. the same same ideas and i love these sorts of films because it's like you look at it now Kids will look at these films and go, you know, some of it's like the special effects are a little bit naff, aren't they? Like the puppet alien at the end. Yeah, yeah, that was the one like thing the, for me was like, you should have taken arms. that out. Because the other aliens were absolutely fine, I thought, <laughs> in that sense. But it's just that one bit when it's like... <laughs> I've got long arms! <laughs> Excuse me. But um, I love it, the fact that these are groundbreaking techniques that are being used in films to to do things that haven't been done before yeah. necessarily you know i mean we talked about star wars coming in this year as well and these two films just knocked it out of the park in terms of where alien films were going to go in the future yeah you know, this led to et star wars led to alien alien yeah star wars led to the last jedi oh. and let's leave it there <laughs> but uh, no but yeah so they were really groundbreaking i love um thinking about that concept where they were the first people to do it. Yeah. You know, it's like inventing the wheel in it. You know, it's like someone had to come up with it in the first place. And to actually be those people in those films at that time. Oh, well, this is what I say. The seventies, that's why the seventies is my favorite time for films. Yeah. From the late sixties through the seventies, things just, you know, you hadn't seen films like this. Yeah. Um, not just the spectacle of films, like, but films like Taxi Driver, now, where it's like mm. the violence of that. But, yeah, yeah. Just and it was like all of a sudden, yeah, you was, used to watch Cary Grant and that, like, <laughs> I don't know. Well, even, but, even down to Scarface, when we were talking about that mm. and the way that they had to keep going back and, and sort of applying to get the film Sort of through the RA and stuff. Yeah. It's that classic sort of, well, you've got to break these boundaries for everyone else can just walk through. And afterwards, you know, everyone's doing yeah. it. And, and these films... And now know, they're all saturated. Commonplace. You know? Yeah, exactly. But, you know, somebody has to do it in the first place. They're always the films that sort of blow, uh, blow my mind. They're always the sort of films where I think, you know, it's just brilliant. And, you know, um, the, uh, last night I watched... We, we watched this on our projector. Effectively, there's a mini cinema... At, put the surround sound on the bass 
was loud. And so when the alien ships and that came across and the, it, you know, the house was vibrating, but it was freaking awesome. Yeah. You know, it really did buy it. And I just thought, I was thinking then, if you was watching this film in a, you know, when it first came out in a cinema on a big screen, experiencing this would have been brilliant. Oh, it just would have been mind blowing. Yeah. It's interesting because there's three versions, isn't there? Yes, there is, yeah. Free free release version. Yeah, he released the uh, first version. Yep. And then he wanted to put a few extra bits in. Mm. And Columbia Pictures was like, you need to let people see inside the spaceship. Yeah. So he What a bad he, idea that was. But that was how <laughs> that was how he persuaded them to to get those extra scenes put in. But what he done then was took out the scenes of him breaking down in the house and ripping up the neighbor's garden which i yes. think are great scenes oh i love that bit but yeah. wa- he's lost it it's wonderful yeah i think it's on netflix the director's version the director's cut okay what do they call the director's cut and i watched it back along and i was just like it starts after the maths bit and then they've put in an extra scene where he goes to work to pick up the job okay. and it's like it's shit what's well, going yeah, on it, a, yeah. it all felt like there's bits missing and bits put in that didn't need to be there yeah it it's very un- strange. unusual for a director's cut i guess i mean that's the thing isn't it it's about make they're, they're they're kind of looking at the same film it was one of the first director's cuts yeah it but they're looking at the very first they're looking at the same film and thinking well how do we make it different for a director's cut yeah you know because i know i saw a thing about sylvester stallone doing it for rocky four with the with the ivan drago drago film and i sort of thought why why yeah <laughs> and he was adding in you know adding in bits and changing camera shots and stuff and i'm thinking well just leave it yeah look what Spiel, some films... you know george lucas is like a, a campaigner about restoring films to their like original quality and stuff you know all these old 50s <laughs> films you think well let's have the fucking original star wars back how they was then christ i mean get all that especially the return of the jedi now. was just ruined yeah was the like you know they got that stupid singing bit in there I don't want that, you know. Yeah. Put it back. <laughs> I'd love to see the old, yeah, old true. Star Wars again. Yeah, and where Han Solo shoots first. Yeah, fuck it. So what if he shoots first? He's a rogue. Yeah, I know, I just never yeah. quite understood that whole concept of he's not allowed to shoot first. Why? He was going to die or be taking the jabber. Of course he was going to kill him. Why wouldn't you? What the hell? Yeah. Um, but yeah, then Spielberg brought out then the the ultimate version i think or something and that's the version we've watched yeah and it's he's put back the scenes of neary going crazy and then he's took out the scenes of seeing inside the ship and it's it just brilliant this version is the ultimate version i Great. yeah i i agree but i've got to ask a question because i had a kind of flick through this morning on youtube looking for deleted scenes because i'd heard that the spaceship was in it it is seeing in the inside of the ship yeah so i found that bit and and yeah i just thought what was the point in that that was just an absolute waste of time uh, didn't need yeah. it didn't enhance it in any way but then i also saw that there was a bit with carl carl weathers oh, what in close encounters yeah from oh, Pred- from predator fame and yeah you know yeah. rocky and, uh, rocky yeah yeah um, and apparently and he and and so there's a clip with him in it he's one of the guards so when he turns up you know and they're clearing everyone out of the town yeah uh carl weathers is one of the guards and he stops and says to him where you go in and what you're up to and and i, and I thought oh. well i didn't see that bit last night but then actually i did go and make a cup of tea at that very point <laughs> i don't think I've, i don't think i noticed carl weathers in it 
You, I, and that's honest. the thing. I think you would have done, wouldn't you? You would yeah, have done. I don't. You yeah. couldn't. It wasn't a quick bit. It was like a two-minute cameo, and it was like, what the hell is he doing in it? Yeah, no, there wasn't um, a bit. Well, YouTube it because you'll see it, and then you'll go yeah. right. So he wasn't in it, but there was also um, the guy from Alien in there, wasn't it? He's in the the bit at the end where um, they're looking up at the space. Lance Henriksen. Yes, that's it. He's in it, isn't he? And then also the guy that wrote the. Um, the guy that J. L. Allen Einlet. yeah the one that wrote uh, the theory behind the closing counters yeah he's in there as well isn't he at some point yeah he, he's smoking his pipe that's it uh, pipe like and a Col- pancake Colonel Sanders yeah <laughs> somebody get my chicken yeah um, and he's, he's yeah, a smoking he, a pancake he, he was um, on set making sure that it was like authentic he was like the advisor well he didn't do a very good job when the alien comes out does he with his arms you know, well he probably said Steve, they don't do that, mate. Steve's like, well, you've got them this far. They'll believe anything. That's his philosophy. But, Um, you know, I mean, I'm looking at that alien's legs, tube legs, stuck to his (laughs) cylinder body, thinking you'd no one would be able to stay upright with those legs. Stupid. Not even Kermit the Frog looked that bad. But so now Roy Neary has been invaded. (laughs) Probed. (laughs) Um, So he's got like a sunburn on half of his face. And he's got this vision. The scenes where he's breaking down, it's just fantastic. And it's oh, the shaving yeah. foam first, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it just starts to pull. And he's all sort of normal. He's just had the bit where he's brushing his teeth and then he's chased the kids out. And he comes back to shave and he's like, what is that? And I just think that's such a great concept. That there's this yeah. image in their head. They can't get it out. And it's the way that it just keeps keeps materialising and manifesting. And it's the mm. bit where they're, they're actually there again, uh, with he's there again with the woman and the child, and they're 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 sort of like stroking the mud pile that the kids made. <laughs> yeah, know? that's it. Like, the kids making the the thing, and then they're like, "What is that? I know that." And she's like, "She can." And it, she hasn't at that point hasn't seen it, has she? And then no. all of a sudden, she's, "Oh my god, yeah, what is that?" And they're like, they're like, they're like poking it and prodding it and stroking it and going, "What is it?" And then the kid turns around and goes, "I just did a huge dump right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's my duty." Yeah, poking my turn. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I, and that is a brilliant concept, and 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 the way that he builds it in the house, the enormous version, and he's lost the plot. And to, yeah, well, to I think really... it's that slow decline first, isn't there? That's yeah, what I it like is. about it. It's, yeah, it's yeah. progressive, and you can see it's stressful for the wife. Yeah, uh, you know, and he's crying, and, oh, and I don't and know the, what's wrong with me, and she's like, oh. yeah, the bit in the shower is Can't just brilliant because she's lost the plot with him. She's lost her patience. The kids are all coming in. He's just broken down. He's in the bath. He can't he's he's like, sit in the oh, bath. He's like, oh, Swanapoo, it still works. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just gone, isn't he? And the bit with the mashed potato, of course, that's where the, the older boy does his crying and sits there. That's brilliantly done by that young lad. I don't know if he ever did any yeah, more films, no, but that was, was just wonderfully done. And that, you know, just that whole... There's a bit in that line as well, and I don't know if... I, I wouldn't imagine it was it was meant to be in the script or whatever, but the little girl talks about flying. <laughs> There's a fly mashed in my mashed potato. <laughs> yeah. It's just like... That was... And they just said, when wonderful. she said that, everyone's... And you could just see Richard Dreyfuss's face sort of goes... Like, almost <laughs> cracks up when she says that, but he just keeps it, holds it together, and they keep going. And that's so uh, well done, because it just makes... The, 
whole family sort of situation feel real. You know, it's just something about that, isn't it? It's just wonderful. By that time, he's got that little model on his railway track. Yeah, yeah. And he's then he's like, right, yeah, enough's enough. You know, they've had the biggest row they've ever had yep. in the morning. It's okay, honey, I'm fine. I'm fine. He starts pulling it apart and that's when he pulls the top off it. Yeah. And then it's like, and I think that's such an iconic image at Devil's mm. Tower. What a great location for it. Everything about this film is really like spot on, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it is. Planned it is it brilliant, yeah. Even down to the, uh, when he's doing, when he's with, with the mashed potato and he's putting the fork marks down it. Mm. And then you look at the, the, the actual monument. Tower. The, the tower yeah. And it, it's got the fork marks down it. And it's like brilliant. <laughs> well, when yeah. they're like escaping up onto it. Yeah. And uh, he's like, if we go around the corner, there's a valley there, and yeah. then like, she's like, "Oh, I didn't, I haven't seen that. I paint the other side. <laughs> I always see it from the other side." And he goes, "Well, you should try sculpting." <laughs> yeah, it's <was> brilliant. <laughs> it's just great. But yeah, he breaks it, so then he's like, it just completely goes off his head, then doesn't he? And that whole scene where he's just pulling the plants out, his wife wakes up and he's he's pulling the plants out. His head bangs his head on the window. <laughs> She's yes. like, Roy, what are you doing? <laughs> Honey, you're going to love this. It's like, what part of you throwing plants she, through your kitchen window? Because she wakes up and says, oh, honey, I'm sorry about last night. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, and he's just like ripping pulling it out. The, like, there's that shot where he, he drags the duck fence, the fence of his neighbour's ducks. And she's there with the child in her hand like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, <laughs> Oh, it's just great. And it, just it's good the, fun. He's lobbing things through the window. It's all crashing and banging in there. <laughs> it Wonderful. Just so good. So good. Because there's that, there's that interesting little bit as well. I mean, we missed the kid, the child abduction scene. Yeah, yeah. And, but there's, uh, from that, there's that interesting bit where they all go in and meet the... the, the oh, the Air Force, isn't it? The, the government. Into, yeah, yeah. And one of the, the guys in there, the one that was doing the bit about, oh, I believe you in that. Am I right in saying that he actually was someone that was his job to go around and 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 sort of from the air force and look at ufos and things and that he left the air force no I'm no sure that's that's ain't that's heinlich j allen heinlich are you sure yeah that's he he was a debunker okay all right he was employed by the government to go and <laughs> all right okay look yeah, into right. all these things to, and then in the end he was like you know 95 percent of these aren't true but there's five percent that just don't add up mm-hmm. that's when he wrote the you know wrote the the, ah, brilliant! The books on it, yeah. So brilliant. that was him. But yeah, what like, did you that, what did you think of the abduction bit? The, 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 did, how did you find that? Did you enjoy it's that bit? Classic Spielberg. I don't know because I've seen it that many times. I don't. I'm not going to it fresh. I'm just seeing this scene that I always remember. Just it's a lot of lights and a lot of smoke. Yeah, um, it's, it's poltergeist, isn't it? Yeah, you yeah, know? it is. Yeah, um, and I just, I just love the fact it's like things like when the oven shakes and things, and I, <laughs> I can't help but visualize the guy laying on the floor shaking it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they had it all rigged up to explode, and she didn't know. They told the boy that it explodes, but they hadn't told her. Oh, okay. And you, you can see in the shot the boy's laughing. Uh, and she's okay. shitting herself and he's laughing and he he says in an interview later on he's like i i wanted to tell her like this is it's all just a joke you know it's, <laughs> it's not real well, this is all the, again joke. you know that works so well with the kid because the kid's just loving it he's so innocent to it it's like these you know they're they're great they're coming to see me and it's you know mm. they're, they're they're here to play and she's crapping herself the screws coming out of the uh, of the vents a very good bit i i, yeah, I enjoyed that yeah. it's, and it's tense you know 
um my son was watching it for the first time and you could see at that point you know not knowing what was coming and thinking oh this is you know it's quite scary in that sense and it, not that it, it isn't a scary it's not like a horror movie or anything it's not like jaws or no a, if anything guys. this is like one of the most hopeful yeah sort of alien or inspiring yeah, sort of alien films just, ever but but there are certain bits in it where you if you don't know what's coming you know it is tense and that was yeah that was it and then when he goes out the cat flap you're like you little <laughs> shit <laughs> fine go oh, God. yeah and uh but there's that scene where she she can't do anything but laugh when she's picked up by dreyfus and once everything's been abandoned and she's like going they was asking if I'd seen any strangers in the neighbourhood. Yeah. <laughs> and they both laugh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's very good. But yeah, that meeting where they go to see um, the Air yes. Force and that, yeah. and they're debunking it. And then that bloke like stands up and says about Bigfoot. I saw a Bigfoot once. And you get from that point, it's like, there's no point us being here. Richard Drafe is like, yeah, we've lost this. Why'd you bring up Bigfoot? We look like a load of twats now, you know? Yeah, but... Um, I- but then, it, you know, I got the impression he brought that up deliberately just so that he could, just so that, you know. Well, just I wondered them. that, but he is, he was the bloke, he was there, wasn't he? Whistling, coming around the mountain. It's the same chap, isn't it? Yeah, and that, exactly. And so scene, he, so. so, you know, is it just a case of he just thought in the end, well, Sodom, if they don't want to believe us, it's, it, you know, it's ours to keep. But that scene is very much like the um, the scene in Jaws with the town home. yeah the town yeah yeah it's very much together. the same you can hear the little words in the background yeah this is a flying saucer that's the one that i saw <laughs> yeah <laughs> hear little really word. i love that there's things like that all these busy scenes you hear lines just yeah being said and yeah, like, like in jaws oh, only 24 hours <laughs> 24 hours is like three weeks <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no it's, it's a day <laughs> but yeah so just true. great this is just classic classic Spielberg doing what he does best in these two films great so then we get to the point where well it comes from the um the musical message and they put in the message out into space and then they get one back and it turns out to be the coordinates yeah it's just pulses isn't it and it's like 100 pulses and, and then 40 like, gap 40 second gap or whatever yeah and then Bob Balaban again. Not only is he a translator, he used to be a cartographer. I know, like, right? That's a longitude, and like, then they get it on the map, and then it's, it goes to Wyoming. Yeah, Wyoming. Yeah, and so they work out where they it's going to be, um, where the aliens are going to going to visit, and um, then they decide they've got to evacuate that whole area. So they have to come up with a bit of a cock and bull story, don't they? Yeah, there was something I wanted to say about the music. Hang on. Well, that was John Williams, wasn't it? And he wanted, didn't he want seven notes? Yeah, he wanted something a bit more, but Spielberg said anything shorter would be too abrupt and anything longer would be too much of a song. Yeah. So Spielberg said five notes just sounds right. And it is great. What great five notes. But apparently there's like 150,000 variations of five notes from the 12 chords. and uh, So they just chanced upon this one completely. And it, by the fun. chances are, though, if they'd done another one, We'd all be walking around now going, do, 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 or something like that, you know, oh, do, 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 let's do some more, do, 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 I can't do any five tunes, but that that one, can you do, do, oh yeah, I was going to say, they can make these really accurate coordinates to tell people exactly where to go, so they know the earth as a map, 
Yep. With our grid, grid references. Yep. Oh, you're not going right. to find a fault here, are you? Yeah. So why don't they put the boats back where they fucking found them? <laughs> and and they're the not aeroplanes. stupid. They put them in the desert. They put a boat in the desert. <laughs> yeah. What an inconvenience. Really How are they going to get that boat out of that, in, that desert? Yeah. What an inconvenience. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> um, why did they keep them? After why didn't they send? Why didn't they just let them go back in the planes? I don't know. Maybe they wanted to give them back officially. Yeah, they wanted it all done officially. But those seats, I do love that scene where they get that big atlas, that globe. And oh yeah, they're going on about how like, much it costs, and they're chucking yeah. off the floor and they're rolling it along. <laughs> problem solvers, aren't they? Yeah, all the way through that government scientist element, they're problem solving. There's always yeah. some, oh, quick, 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 get this, do this, do that, let's do this. Everyone, push this over here. And that sort of, yeah, I love that. That's very, very well done. And it, it yeah, shows that the, they're the creative ones. They're not like officious, like, you know, shut this down, let's blow a nuke at it. They're the yeah. ones that are going, oh, God, we've got to make this work. This is fantastic. And that's why at the end of the film, when it's just all of those scientists, really, isn't it, who get the... Who, who deserve to be there and deserve to see it. And they're all like, again, they're all like kids, aren't they? Just like, you know, kids in a sweet shop, aren't they? They're all like yeah. massive grins on their faces, just in awe of what they're seeing. The, the government aren't villains in this, are they? They don't no. want people around. They're, they're doing everything, you know, when they fake this big radioactive crash, don't they? And they evacuate the land. And then- That's the only time that you kind of see that military aspect to it. Yeah. That sort it. of... Because they're all sat them around and... thinking, how can we do this? We need something that's going to scare the, you know... Yeah. Scare the crap out of them. But because it's led by our lovely French lead... Francois Truffaut, Lacombe. Yeah. Because he's the one that's kind of leading the way, um, it, it always has that, just that sort of excited sort of pushing for answers approach to it rather than we need to stop being you know we need to get the military out and interestingly enough because that's what happens in et isn't it the government in that uh you don't see them they no. keep turning up you know when you see their legs and torches and stuff don't you you know they're, they're more sinister aren't they no, yeah a lot more sinister and then they turn up at his house don't they later on in the film with the face masks on and yeah peter coyote isn't it yeah and it just said so all of that just kind of you know in that one, you've got the good guys and the bad guys, but it's not so clear in this one. Yeah, but they're not bad guys in the end, are they? They do want to just help him in E.T. Abs- as well, don't they? He's yeah, the same, yeah, true. He yeah, is the same just, character in the end as this Lacombe. He's like, not Lacombe. Yeah, true. Yeah, it, Lacombe, just takes, sort of, it just takes time to come. It just takes longer for it to become apparent, I think, in that one. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think, again, so the military, more than it is the government... It's actually the military, isn't it, in this one that you could say are the bad guys. They're the ones yeah, that are making up the lie. Well, they're like, the ones when, that are evacuating everyone. And they're the ones that are gassing all the, the yeah, animals when they're and like, stuff. When they're running up the mountain and he's like, oh, yeah, we need some, like, we need to gas them all. Yeah. And when they're going up with that Larry bloke and he turns around, he goes, oh, it's okay. They're just crop dusting. Like, <laughs> what are you fucking on about? <laughs> on a mountain. crop dusting the mountain. In a, in a military helicopter. <laughs> you deserve to die. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We don't want you in this final scene. Dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Still asleep dude. now but on that rock. There is something. What happened? Listen, on that um, scene uh, where he's building the the 
monument in his yeah, yeah. house and he he realizes it and there's a there's a film on an old oh, yeah. film or something and you just hear someone go uh, a package for gillian anderson <laughs> <laughs> it's like what the x-files yeah. but then but then again that i love that bit when they're doing the news report and he's sort of sitting there on the phone to his wife you know and every time he turns yeah, around just, and you're just thinking <laughs> look at the tv look at the telly it's the same oh, thing <laughs> And it's like, right. he's not going to look. And then he just kind of does. And he looks at it and he's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, now he's he meets up with Lacoum and that. And he's being interviewed. And they know why he's there. Yeah. Well, like, that's the thing, isn't it? Lacoum sort of says, you know, why are people turning up here? You know, and they're all drawing the same things and all taking the risks of, of being poisoned, basically, to get here. And he could sort of see something was going on. Yeah. And again, because he wants answers rather than to block things off he's asking the questions isn't he and he's probing <laughs> he's in a non-alien type way and then when they stick him in the play in the helicopter and and they're all about to fly off he's looking out the window watching them go <laughs> running on yeah he you. sees him escape doesn't he and he doesn't say no, and it's 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 brilliant because you kind of know then you know yeah, he just wants them to they belong here more than we ah uh-huh. they do it is that's true. what he says isn't it, isn't it? Uh, and on the making of documentary, they say that um, no one knew what he said when he said that line. They belong here, Mozambique. And everyone's like, what did he say? I think he said, they belong here, Mozambique. <laughs> and they all had they all had T-shirts made up with, they belong here, Mozambique. <laughs> all the crew would wear them. And, so like taking the, yeah, taking the piss out of the Frenchman. Um, but he says that later on there was a... a a line that Francois Truffaut had to say in the film was um, maybe Einstein was one of them. Yeah. And he's like, what? What is this line? You know, what? it doesn't make sense. Is it a joke? What am I, you know, and he really fixated on this line. And for the whole production, he was dreading that, coming to that, and he couldn't get to grips with it. And even on like the morning of that shot, he's like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know. And then when they got to the, to do the shot Spielberg said um, Francois don't say that line now you're going to say this give it to someone else to say and Francois Truffaut went back to Bob Balaban and went I don't believe it <laughs> give him my line away it's <laughs> like, up in arms oh brilliant but there's a few things about like the Truffaut like like I said he was like the French new wave director and he there's a shot in the film that cost 200 no 25,000 dollars to whether it was a helicopter shot or a shot with a helicopter in it, it's going to cost 25,000 dollars and Truffaut's like I make a film for that you know <laughs> it's crazy and uh, the production designer Joe Alves when they've set built the set for Devil's Tower and it's built in a big hangar that build blimps because they, it needed to look like it was outside. It had to be yeah. big. But they couldn't film outside because of the yeah. weather. And if it rained, it would stop everything. And So they found this one one hangar that they built blimps in where there was no like, central posts. It was just open. They could do whatever they wanted in there. And Joe Owls, the production designer, he also worked on Jaws. I think he directed Jaws 3 as well. In the Unlucky. End. But he... Yeah, he built this massive set and he was like really pleased with it. And he kept, every time Truffaut comes in, he kept looking, thinking, is he going to say anything? And never said anything about this set. And then Spielberg wanted a shot, a scene. He's like, we need an extra scene with Gillian. You know, we need to see her with all the paintings. We need to know that she's frustrated as well. So they 
filmed that shot of her in the motel, didn't they? Yeah. And she's got all the paintings up. And they built, just in an afternoon, they built this little set of a little motel room. And Francois Truffaut walked in and goes, now this is a set. (laughs) (laughs) Joe Arms is like, I'll make that for telly, like, you know. He sounds a little bit like an awkward bastard to me, if you be honest. He <laughs> but apparently, no, they all, they all loved working with him. And he said he was really happy to be there. Brilliant. He said when he come on set, he said to Spielberg, you know, I am not, I, I know I'm a director, but I am an actor for this. You tell me what to do, I'll do it. I'm not interfering, you know. And he was quite interested to see how these big budget films were made, I should say. Yeah, think. yeah. Yeah, he said he just really enjoyed it. And yeah, fantastic. Really afterwards appreciated the uh, how actors... You know, what they have to go through, really, to how boring the job is of acting <laughs> on a big film like this. So, talking about the set. So, now we're like, we've gone up the mountain and just that reveal of that runway. And I used to think it was on top of the mountain, but it's not, is it? It's sort of over. Yeah, it's just down behind. Yeah, down it. in a sort of valley spot. It's it? the other side of it, mm. isn't it? They've, but it's great, isn't it? Just all the government agents there and the big. Well, it. So yeah, I mean, they're just having a fucking jamming session with aliens. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but that's when, you know, John Williams, the, the, when the spaceship starts going off on one, it's like you could just hear John Williams all over it then. Can't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, even to the, uh, the extent that at the end of it, it's like. Dun. Yeah, I Dun. thought there was a little bit of Jaws Dun. sort of almost Dun. come out of that, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly, it is. Yeah. It is the Jaws, yeah. So the end of this scene, like the the standoff with the the aliens oh, when they come and visit. Again, watching this on 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 the big screen with uh, booming sound, surround sound and stuff, it was just wonderful, just absolutely absorbed. And I think for me, that particularly that whole sequence, you know, you'd have rolled out of a cinema in the seventies of the watching the back of that and just thinking, wow. You know, what What the scientists and everyone's feeling at that point, that awe in sort of like, this is unbelievable. That's how you feel watching it in the audience. You know, that's that's how you would have felt watching it on the big screen. Yeah, at that point, you hadn't seen anything oh. like it, had you? I mean, you saw Star Wars, but this was a different... Oh, this, yeah. This the effects ha- were different yeah, again. And, and I think this works differently in the sense that, you know, Star Wars, another world, different planet, aliens, blah, blah, blah. This one is like here on Earth. And, and you could sort of... You know, bar the alien that comes out and goes, "Hi, everybody!" <laughs> Apart from that guy, I don't know what his name was. Apart from him, I thought the whole thing was just, you know, this could this could be a fake, couldn't it? Mm. But even down to when you're looking over the top to start with, did you not think of Raiders of the Lost Ark at that point? Yeah, you there know, was. There was a little bit of when that. they when they at the end where they're opening the ark and all of that stuff with the Nazis. Yeah, um, but the sort of same sort of. But I suppose it is. It's sort of a set. And everything's matte painted yeah, around. And then it, again, it? the and same sort of that. lighting effects going on, isn't it? And all of that stuff. I really enjoyed it. When I watched the YouTube snip of the extended inside the spaceship thing this morning, you know, yeah, you it wasn't need necessary that, at yeah. all. Wasn't necessary to know what was going on inside the ship. And again, that was, you know, sometimes less is more because he goes into the ship and you're left wondering. He went into the ship and it's like, well, it's some pretty dodgy lighting going on in the first bit, you know? And yeah, then it's it, like... It goes in and you think, I wonder if they got a washing machine in there because all them aliens are naked <laughs> and you've all got clothes. You've got to stink. <laughs> the first thing I thought was, God, what if they don't have toilets? What, what do you do? Because it's like... 
you like you know you've been you've been standing there for an hour the event happens it all goes off you finally relax the first thing you'd be thinking was god i need to do a giant turn off the back of my yeah. excitement and, uh, like... uh, how do you communicate to ask how is there any way i could go to have a shit do you think they sent them all with casio keyboards i need to go now before you probe me, you need to know I'm leaking. Uh, it's a great concept, but you do think, I wonder what they've said to each other. They don't know, do they? That's what I love about, um, oh, Arrival. You said about, sorry, you said about Arrival earlier. And I was like, I don't think I've seen that. Of yeah, course I've seen Arrival. Yeah, yeah with the, and that's just great where they're working out the yes. language. Yes. Because I said that about the, um, you know, it, it, with the landing in a plane of you. John Williams bit. What if they were saying, We've given these ones back, but we're really bloody hungry. Can you give us something to eat, please? <laughs> and they're all like, all Let me! <laughs> Thank God, yeah. here comes some food. <laughs> now, all uh, it's wrong to laugh this aside. Film, but, you know, obviously, it, it's, it's also a bit of fun. You're saying about the alien, the big army yeah. alien, and the other, the aliens that we see are like small children, yep. little girls yep. in little alien costumes. They'd had a few other ideas of what they were going to do with the aliens. They tried um, marionettes, and that was what the long one come out of. It was going to be a load of puppets, aliens. Mm. Then they tried having the little girls walking around, flitting about, and then they had mimes to come in and walk, do slow motion. Mm. And then they was going to play the mimes at normal speed and the aliens moving really fast, and that didn't work. They had an orangutan in a, in, in a, a lycra suit. It's true. Spandex suit with an alien mask on, on roller skates. It's true. And uh, the alien just, the, the orangutan just ripped the head off. And like, the orangutan just went like, mental. I can't work with these people. <laughs> Why don't they always give me these shit rolls? Um, Left turn, Clyde. Yeah, so that didn't work either. <laughs> and the last puppet that you see that strangely looks like uh, little Barry, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. He's got the same face as Barry, the same smile. Toys! But he's doing the hand signal and that. Yeah, they filmed that again because they'd filmed it with one of the schoolgirls doing it. And she had like these rubber glove. Yeah, I, I got to say the glove fingers was quite funny. I, I sort of like yeah. you know they were like, Whoa. and they said when you're focusing on it doing the, all that, <laughs> it didn't really work. Yeah, and plus the head was like not animated at that point, and it just looked okay. So that was dropped. But um, and again, all the all the effects in this film. Doug Trumbull, I mentioned, he worked on um, 2001: A Space Odyssey, and I don't know if you mm. ever seen the film The Tree of Life. No. Terence Malick film, Brad Pitt's in it and Jessica Chastain. And everyone was going to watch a Brad Pitt film, but didn't realise they was watching a Terence Malick film. And there was like massive walkouts of the cinema because it's like, what the fuck is that all about? People were <laughs> insulted by it because they had to think, what are they seeing? Basically, one of the sons is killed in Vietnam and the mum, you know, she's praying, why God, why did you do this? And then in response to her praying, they go and show you the dawn of everything, the birth of the universe. And, you know, this, it just goes through the dinosaurs. It's like 25 minutes of just fucking crazy, like shows you everything. It's just really visually stunning. And that's Doug Trumbull done that. And then he done the Stargate sequence in uh, 2001. 
So, yeah, but uh, the cloud effects, that's what I was going to talk about. I love how they've done the cloud effect. Do you know how they've done the clouds? No, how did they? They had a, a big container with salt water in the bottom. Okay. And then they had clear water on top, fresh water on top. And they sort of separate. So this fresh water sits on the salt yeah. water. Yeah. And then they inject paint into the clear water and it billows out like in clouds but it hits the salt water it doesn't penetrate the salt water so it looks like you've got that you know when clouds happen on a level don't they yeah they yeah yeah, yeah, lower yeah. And, and that's how they've done that that's very good because at right. that point i said to my son here comes voldemort yeah because <laughs> it was sort of well, like it's all digital fun. now isn't it it's all i mean that's what Did, they've done it, in this film it's it's all models all these oh UFOs. yeah yeah because you can actually still go and see the the, the spaceship can't you oh, it's in a museum that's, somewhere that's what i was going to say about as well the uh models in this um, the mothership in this. There's yes, lots of yeah. little hidden trinkets on that mothership. R2-D2's mm. on there, upside down. Really? There's a shark from Jaws, a TIE fighter sticking out on a rod, oh, and awesome. all these little things that they've hidden in there. And I love the way as well with the, fil- with the, with the ship, how when it comes in, it spins. Oh, it revolves And then over. lowers. Yeah, re- yeah. And, and then again, when it goes off, it looks like a city. Yeah. Going up, you know, with skyscrapers going up into the, you know, up into the sky. As Spielberg anyway. said, he didn't know what it wanted to look like. And then he was, whether they were location scouting or something in India or when they were filming the scenes in India, mm. he went past this big oil refinery place and it was just like all these pipes and like chimneys. And he's like, that's the top of the UFO. And then Brilliant. he was one day looking out at the San Fernando Valley where they filmed all the lights going off. And there's just this grid of lights. And he's like, that's the bottom of it. <laughs> you know, so that's what he's done. He's put, if you look at the bottom, that's what it looks like. And then on the yeah. top, it's like the... Uh, Love it. Brilliant. But, yeah, the models, he, I remember he saying, how are we going to do this to uh, Doug Trumbull? We're going to have to have big models that we film in. Doug Trumbull's like, no, we use motion tracking. And he's like, what the hell's this? And it's never been done before. But he said, you can move the camera... And these things will be fixed in that shot. Everything's digitally timed accurately. So a camera movement here will be replicated in the model shop. So that, and then we tie the two together and they just complete. Because it's, it's faultless, isn't it? It's just great. Yeah. And again, though, that's groundbreaking stuff, isn't it? Putting it into the films the first, first time, things like that really, you know, I don't know if it's obviously wasn't the first time because they knew what they were doing and somebody knew what they were doing. But yeah, just brilliant. Just the way that it was that convincing. It was that good. Yeah. So fabulous. 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 I would give that a thumbs up. I think we should give it a WN thumbs up. Yeah, it was great. Um, I do love it. I would, and if it ever comes to, at the cinema, uh, I'll give you a shout and we'll go and watch it. Yeah, I think. It. But that's the danger, isn't it? The danger is that someone will say, do you know, the only way we can really make that is to remake it. And that would just be the worst thing. No, I mean, they do replay these old classic films all the time. Actually, this is the most replayed film because... At the base of Devil Tower, Devil's Tower, they like the visitors centre play it every single day. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Or every night it's it's screened for visitors. That's so cool. Yeah. And and it's good that they never span it off and did you know they haven't revi- I mean they couldn't revisit. Well they could, I suppose, because Richard Dreyfus could come out of the ship. But he couldn't because he'd have to be the same age as he was when he went in. Yeah, they could So it's done for. Yeah. You couldn't remake. You couldn't but then this is and I'm glad. Arrival. That's the remake of Closing characters, yeah, 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 without, without having to damaging, be in it. 
Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to damage the original. And that's what I said, like, we've said it before in the past. Don't keep remaking films. Make your own alternatives of that film. I love Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Let's make our own, but not copy it. Not... Yeah. (laughs) Because we're never going to beat it. It's always going to be shit. Let's examine the elements of it that are really good that we can do again. And let's do what we can do better and do it now. That arrival does take it to a different level, doesn't it? The psychological... Oh, just amazing. That twist at the end you're like fucking mind blown but it works yeah no but and you know i'm so glad that they left it alone and it's a one-off and it is except there's three of them well yeah but (laughs) yeah i see what you mean yeah i'm so glad that they left it alone and only impacted they only did three versions of it and um yeah and no no doubt they're doing they got it right in the end though i think this is the ultimate version it's great yeah i couldn't agree more apart from the bit with carl weathers which they got to bring back in cool (laughs) so close encounters robin it was great to see it again, wasn't it? Yeah, it definitely was. And like I said, I think for me, it was a film that I appreciated more now. Yeah. I'm a little bit older and the family elements to it and just some of the more subtle messaging. Like I said about that whole communication thing for me was quite interesting. Mm. So thanks everyone for listening. Hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, if you do want to get in touch, remember we're on Instagram, WN Movie Talk Podcast or Facebook or you can email us at wnmovietalk at gmail.com So yeah, all the best, bruv. And I'll see you yeah, next time. Yeah, nice one. Cheers, everyone. Yep. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.